This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. Welcome to another episode of Hafta in a fairly news packed week. And today we are actually recording Hafta on Wednesday. Usually we record on Thursday or Friday. We're recording on Wednesday because Friday is holy and you'd like all our colleagues to get holy off so they're not in office uh, editing Hafta. So it's the 16th of March, Wednesday, 12 noon and joining us on the Hafta panel today in office from a new studio which is looking all fancy and I hope it sounds better as well. It does. It does. <laughs> is Raman Kripal. Hi Raman sir. Hi. Uh, joining us on the phone line uh, from Chennai, I'm guessing, is Jayashree. Hi, Jayashree. Hi, yes, Chennai. Also on the phone line uh, is Manisha Pandey, who is after a hectic Hello. month and a half of travel, is hopefully going to take a week off starting yes. one of these days. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and also joining us on the phone line is Sohasini Heather. Hi, Sohasini. Hi, nice to be back on News Laundry Hafta. Yes, nice to have you. We've been getting lots of mails that please get her to discuss Ukraine which has been ignored for the last three haftas because there have been so much election related news uh, many of you will most of you will know who Suhasini is those of you who don't she's a national editor and diplomatic affairs editor of the Hindu she's been uh, the foreign affairs editor and the prime time anchor for India's um, English channel CNN IBN it was called CNN IBN back then now it's called Network 18 so no it's called what's it called uh, yeah it's called Network 18 IBN 18 IBN 18 correct uh, she presented her show Worldview with Suhasini Heather. Do you miss TV Suhasini at all? <laughs> I did 20 years. That's quite a lot. Um, but, you know, everything is fun. And I do a little bit of uh, video uh, on the Hindu with a weekly video cast called Worldview. Right. Which I'd like to always plug on Hafta because I think so many of your listeners are also people who would uh, possibly be interested in, in, in Worldview as well. Yes, many are. So do check out Sohasini's show, Worldview. Uh, and Raman sir and my audio quality will be far superior to the three others yeah, because I mean, we are in our... voices uh-huh. really changed. All correct. Yeah. Everything is absorbent surfaces. Absorbent right. surfaces. So, uh, but before we get into the discussions and Sohasini tells us about so much that is happening on the foreign affairs front, we'll get the headlines from Jayashree. Yeah, so here are the headlines for the week. The Karnataka High Court has dismissed a plea against the hijab ban saying that it is not an essential religious practice. However, one of the petitioners, who's a Muslim student, has already approached the High Court or the Supreme Court to appeal against the High Court's judgment. The RSS has released its annual report for 2022, which talks of a particular community's long-term conspiracy, this is in quotes, to enter the government machinery. Among other things, it also warned about communal hysteria, misinformation, and the need to create an effective discourse on Hindutva. So, yeah. There's been an uproar over Vivek Agnihotri's film, The Kashmir Files. The Prime Minister has said um, there is reluctance over presenting history in the right perspective, which apparently this movie does. Four channels that we are aware of have already run the movie as primetime debates. Six six states have made it tax-free. I think some states have also given leave to government employees so they can go and watch Yeah, Sam has said that you can watch, take half day off and you just have to produce the ticket the next day. (laughs) And Madhya Pradesh. Madhya Pradesh for its cops, I think I said. They may go. Hmm. Very good. Anyway, the chief. I remember last time which other movie got so much of state promotion. Yeah. Not even Modi's movie. (laughs) Is that the Vivek Oberoi one? Yeah. Oh, God. The chief justice of the Delhi High Court, D.N. Patel, is set to retire on Friday. However, he will already he's already been announced to take charge as the chairperson of the Telecom Dispute Settlement and Appellate Tribunal on Monday. 
So this has ignited this entire debate on appointments, especially considering he hasn't retired yet. India has said it accidentally fired a missile into Pakistan last week. It's blamed the incident on a technical malfunction during routine maintenance. I found this entire thing very shocking. So the Congress chief Sonia Gandhi has asked all party chiefs of the five states that recently went to polls to resign. The Congress's G23 leaders, meanwhile, will meet a couple civil residents today to discuss the situation in the aftermath of the party's embarrassing loss. I think there's also been a lot of other issues, like senior leader Veerappa Moiri has said that Sonia Gandhi should take full control of the party. The Aam Party's chief minister candidate Bhagwan Man is all set to be sworn in as the state's chief minister. I think this swearing-in is happening as we record this. Not only is the swearing-in happening, it has been carried live by all channels. And somehow the party knew it because today in the front page ad in Indian Express and the third page ad in the Times of India, it says watch live on all channels at 11.30. It was wow. front page ad in Madras also, across all the newspapers. Oh, even the radio was How announced. crazy? Why are they advertising in Madras? I got, it was in the no, Hindu, but forget the why they're advertising. The fact that they knew all channels are going to carry this live tells you something about how news is funded in this country. Just saying. <laughs> A U.S. journalist working in Ukraine has been shot dead in the town of Irpin outside Kiev. This was Brent Renault, who is also a filmmaker. He was working in the region for Time magazine. I think earlier today, two Fox journalists were also killed in Ukraine. According to an investigation by the Reporters Collective, Facebook charged the BJP less for Indian election ads when compared to other political parties. Russia has banned U.S. President Joe Biden from entering its territory in retaliation to sanctions imposed by the U.S. Meanwhile, the U.N. has said that 636 civilians have died in the war so far, but has cautioned that the number could be much higher. And despite the US sanctions, New Delhi is apparently considering buying oil from Moscow, which is being offered at discounted prices. Well, I, I mean, I really, so Hassani can tell us, but I find it unlikely anyone's going to do that here. But hmm, then? Also in Russia Ukraine news, an editor interrupted a Russian TV news broadcast. It was a live broadcast, and she appeared with. Posters reading, no war, stop the war. She was then taken to a police station. I think she's been fined about something amount like 200 pounds. The prime ministers of the Czech Republic, Poland and Slovenia are traveling to Kiev by train. They will, These are the first foreign leaders to visit the Ukrainian capital since Russia invaded last month. And that's the headlines. Right. Thank you so much, Jayashree. Uh, and something that happened just as we started recording, Navjot Sidhu has... Resigned and tweeted out his resignation. Yeah, as the very Punjab. close. Seventeen-word resignation. What exactly has he said? Literally, I am uh, giving my resignation. Thank you. Yes. Very, very unlike Sidhu. Yeah, usually it takes so many words to say something, nothing. But yeah, he he literally just said, "I hereby resign as president." Sincerely, Sidhu or whatever. Now, when it comes to uh, you know keeping uh, our interests intact and you know just hedging one's bets. Uh, without going into the morality, which is not the metric on which foreign relations is ever measured. Even then, you think there is an inherent assumption by India, which could be deeply flawed, that we should, you know, kind of hedge because of the historical association India has had with the U- uh, with uh, Russia uh, and the former USSR. And also, going forward, we would need them because they do, uh, you know, uh, supply a significant amount of our tech for arms uh, or missile technology uh, you can correct me whatever is the uh, one but going by the level of sanctions right from gucci you know <laughs> to facebook to youtube to them being kicked off swift like at every level the spiraling of russia into a banana republic could be way more rapid than anyone's assumed 
in that case does it even matter if we are in the good books if it's a completely destroyed economy so that's an uh, that's really a, a call the government the modi government has to take and why do i say this government in particular because there's this understanding that no no this has always been india's position however since 2017 we have heard that india's foreign policy is dynamic that it's changing that we're getting closer to the west that we have shared values with democracies and that's why we need to set up the quad uh, we need to uh, work with other people for the international rule of law and order how do you sum that up with what we're seeing india's position on russia i'll explain to you why you mentioned the defense um, dependence yes of course 60 to 70% of our arms still from russia russia is the only country that gives us technology transfers as well the us for all their promises only offer us you know as is where is basis kind of uh, defense um the second part of that is that uh, the third part of that is really that russia and india collaborate on its biggest military export today india talks about the brahmos missile okay not not in the context of last week where a missile just misfired but in general india's defense exports and atmanirbhar policy of the government have depended very much on uh, uh, on talking about the brahmos missile uh, our sales to philippines for example and we're offering the same missile to other countries in the region as well and it cannot be done without russia's help uh thirdly there is this point now being made uh, about the economic costs of the ukraine crisis so is india going to admit or uh, accept and bow down to western pressure on sanctions because remember we did it with iran we even did it with venezuela when the trump administration pushed the modi government they finally caved in uh, although they keep saying we don't believe in unilateral sanctions now when us europe uh, australia new zealand singapore japan all are part of these sanctions about 40 countries already part of sanctions uh, against russia uh, is india going to be able to uh, push back against that or is it going to say look i'm just getting a lot of cheaper oil from russia in the past when you've made me give up iranian oil or venezuelan oil it has cost my economy um that's the second question so the the economic question is a huge one and and i think what we need to look at is the larger global picture is is if the entire world is not part of these sanctions against russia as perhaps we've only seen against south africa you know that kind of a sanctions regime that the whole world took part in if it's not going to be a whole world approach if china is going to stay out of it for example that's a big one um if african countries have not said anything if most of the asean countries even Uh, are not actually speaking up except for uh, singapore uh, then is it simply just going to be that the world will get divided into the dollar transactions and the non dollar transactions that's how we've made our transaction with uh, on the s400 for example with russia we're buying it by using immunized banks and um, by using the rupee ruble mechanism and the third point and i'll i'll, I'll wind up over here um uh, abhinandan is really uh, the idea that if one side which is the western side wants us to be part of this coalition of democracies and yet is just giving the modi government a hard time on human rights on a month by month basis you know uh, whether it is crackdown in jammu kashmir whether it's a crackdown on the media the ngos there's not a month that goes by where some western country doesn't show up and give india a hard time uh, about the human rights i'm not saying that's wrong i'm just saying that look at it from the modi government's perspective in contrast mr putin does not raise these issues so going forward uh, the modi government really has to decide whether they want to unfortunately this time cannot be like the past it cannot be like just we'll just stay out of this and you know firstly because india is a member of the un security council so every vote is suddenly counting as it hasn't in the past uh, and will do until december when we demit that uh, post 
Um, and secondly, because the world is now making you choose. They're saying either go with Russia or with us. You can see how many visitors are coming to Delhi in the next two weeks. And you'll see a diplomatic flurry of European visitors in particular, the Japanese prime minister and others. And all of them are making the point, look, you go ahead with Russian oil at this time, it's you know, going to be a real deal breaker of sorts with us. But just one question on this, Sohasni, how, I mean, yes, there's sanctions, but I'm wondering how deep and lasting will the impact be? Because even for Europe, there's a huge dependence on natural gas and crude oil when it comes to Russia. Sure. And Russia is now threatening that, you know, we're going to cut off supplies. So even Europe can't really survive without that coming in, right? So yeah. there are some customary, I mean, it seems like there's some cosmetic sanctions and things being said, but in the longer run, isn't the world's dependence on Russia also quite great to just sort of ignore it or say choose between Russia or us? You know, to that, I will say yes. Uh, Germany and Hungary, for example, insist that they still need, um, uh, uh, you know, Russian oil. But now look, they've, they've put a deadline. They're hoping to cut out of Russian oil by the end of this year. Um, what I'm trying to say is this is now looking much more like a point of no return between okay. them. And the sanctions that have been already put so far are so much that um, we will also have to look at how many ways it'll hit us. You know, Russia is now the world's most sanctioned country. 5,300 sanctions in all. Yeah, I... I but are we, uh, are we in... Uh, I mean, is India in position to, uh, you know, take sides? Also, I think the big question also that comes up is that in case, it, if we're in trouble with our neighbors, China, for example, it's Russia that will sort of come to our help and not the West. True. So why but, should we... But, but how, we are assuming that why? Because yeah, right now, that, that's the example. US wants to cut down China, right? The US seems China is the most imminent threat. So is that fair to assume that Russia will come to our help and not US? And considering Modi ji had gone and said, Abki baat Trump sarkar, which was a foreign policy disaster... But so Hasin, is that a sensible assumption that uh, uh, our dhal against China is Russia? Um, well, you know, this everything is being appended in the world. And let's remember the same choices that are being put to India are right now also being put to China. Uh, the US is reaching out to China in a way that we haven't seen in the past. And it was very interesting that last uh, month when uh, External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar went to Australia for the Quad Ministerial, instead of saying, you know, uh, making it about China, 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 we heard Blinken making it about Russia and then saying, we have higher expectations from China. So suddenly China is not so much the big, but the bad dog in the, in the race as much as uh, uh, Russia is. And I think that's what we've really got to watch is that the situation is dynamic. Everybody is looking out for their national interest yet, but expectations from India are that much higher. I think Ramanji asked, can India afford to take mm. sides? You see, the point is India could have in the past afforded not to take sides. They, for whatever it was worth, adhered to something called non-alignment. Uh, suddenly, in since 2017, as I said, there was this whole new thing. No, this is the real politic. India is going to look at its economic interests as much. It's going to look at other interests as much. So there is this higher expectation from India. You know, Mr. Jaishankar went from talking about India as being, uh, you know, a regional leader, if you like, to being a leading power. So if this is aspirations for India, then no, India cannot uh, uh, just say, I have no preferences in the matter. Because each thing you say, an abstention, for example, is being read in the West as taking sides with Russia. Yeah, so I don't I... think that choice is open. Can I just jump in and say what, what was the Indian media doing? Only mm -hmm. focusing on Indians 
in Ukraine. Did when uh, the media went crazy with that story about how uh, Putin stopped his war for six hours just for India, um, and we can get into that story if you want, because the um, yes, please. external affairs had had things to say about it. My question was that the war is only being stopped for six hours for India, which means that Ukrainians can continue to die, but India is just happy that Indians are okay. Uh, and so that was we, seen as a celebration. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, and we do this routinely. You will see yourself that now that Indians have come out of Ukraine, the 20,000 Indians were brought out, I mean, they came out of Ukraine and then they were flown back to India. Uh, the, the levels of interest here um, in the war will now move to things like the sanctions and you know the economic uh, stuff. Um, the 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 fact is, you're quite right that everybody behaves in a certainly in a, in a in a in an interest of its own citizens or people that it thinks are its own people. Oh, there is a cultural um, affinity. I, I mean, I I I mean, sorry, uh, yeah, Manisha, come in. And I mean, I also would just extend that to you know Palestine, for example. A lot of Muslim friends of mine, there is an outrage if there's you know two deaths there, and there are eight deaths in Arkepuram. You know, I didn't. So now I'm not. Judging you for that, there is an affinity, a religious affinity there. There is a cultural affinity there. There is a ethnic affinity somewhere. So I mean, I, mean, I think there are two things. I think with refugees coming in, there, there are two kinds of refugees, right? The economic refugee and the war-torn uh, people coming from war-torn areas. Now, the expectation from the West is that you, and the expectation is because some of these wars are an outcome of your interference, your meddling, and you've constantly sort of been party to it. So when people are affected by it and they come to you, you need not be moved by it, but you need to take responsibility as a nation because some of those wars are a result of Western interference. And I think the economic refugee bit is, of course, colonization. Because you've colonized these nations for so long. So it's like France, you know, you have, we get it that you don't want refugees or that there's no affinity or whatever, but some of them are coming in because you colonized those nations for too long and now they're coming to you because they don't have prospects back home. So I think the expectation for me there is more moral responsibility that Western nations need to take that have played a role in the refugee crisis in the West. So you can't just look away now. Nobody in the past has ever objected against these hijabs. Our, our Kendra Vidyale, they have a policy. They, they don't object against hijabs. I mean, people, I mean, Muslim students, they come with hijab in Delhi government schools also uh, uh, I know it for a fact that Lady Irvin school which has where the maximum Muslim students from you know this uh, Jamia area go so many of them don't wear it and some of them wear it so so there's no nothing of that so I feel that that's exactly what the petitioner's lawyer had said in court they said that since Kendri of the Alia itself mm-hmm. permits wearing hijab in the classroom why has this become a matter of a debate among colleges in the state so do you think the it was one fell into a kind of a polarizing trap and making this a national issue uh, which was the BJP or people like Tejasi Sura's intent all along and had you know most of the loud liberal opposition against it not been to that extent it would have died down without it becoming such an issue or you think it had to become a national issue because like we discussed a few weeks ago also I mean I'm aware of schools where in Punjab which are secular schools and everything. The girls enter the school in hijab, but before their class, they take it off. And it's been there in many schools in, in Punjab. In fact, my aunt was the principal of one such school. And it's never been a controversy. You think it was a... BJP manages to make everything a Hindu-Muslim issue and we fall for it? Anyone? I think but definitely the schools could have handled it better. Like right where the... When the controversy started at the first place, there could have been mediations and they could have... 
figure this out better rather than just make this into a national issue but you can't i mean you can't blame liberals for it all of you listening in the chota hafta do subscribe so you can listen to the entire hafta we will see you again next week with the hafta till then subscribe pay to keep news free because when the public pays the public is served and advertisers pay advertisers served thank you goodbye all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent to catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel